Well, this morning we're going to uh, continue our, our study. We've been, uh, we spent, I don't know, four out of the last five or six weeks, we've been looking at just give me Jesus. And, and really, in reality, folks, that's what we need. We need Jesus. That's all we need is Jesus. Jesus is the answer for every problem we have. He is the solution for every need that we have. We've looked at the fact, really we've been looking at who Jesus is. We looked at the fact that He's God. We looked at the fact that He is also man. We looked at the fact that He is Lord and that He's Savior. And this morning we're going to look at a, another uh, aspect of who Jesus is. One of the roles that, that He plays. And it's not just a role, it's literally who He is. Okay? Uh, uh, we're going to talk about something that most of us have heard and, and we've probably, you know, we've said, we've sung songs and hymns that, that talked about it. But Jesus is also our high priest. Now, here's the thing about that. Most of us don't come out of a religious system that has priests. Most of us came out of, of other uh, uh, systems, and we're not familiar with a priest, okay? Now, some of you may have come out of, of a system where uh, the leaders were called priests, but most of you didn't. And so the practice of our faith sort of seems far removed from that. Let's just be real honest, okay? I've never once thought I ever had to go talk to somebody so that they could pray for me and get forgiveness for me, okay? That's, that's not a concept that I grew up with. And so what happens is when we talk about the Old Testament priesthood and we talk about the sacrifices, what most people do when they read through that and when a pastor starts to talk about it, y'all want me to show you? I mean, I, I've got to be honest with you. When I read through Leviticus... It's a long, hard path. I, I've, many of you know this. I've shared this before. Several years ago, I made a commitment that I was going to read through my Bible every year. And I, I, you say, well, man, that just seems impossible. Not if you get a system. Okay? It, it's, it's very simple. And it's not nearly as hard as you think it is. But I, I tried the, the, this system that so-and-so used and that system that this famous preacher used. And I tried the... Uh, the, uh, what are the Bibles called? Uh, the one-year Bibles. And they're okay, but they just didn't work for me, so I can't, I've got my own system. And I'm not going to tell you my system because I don't want you to try my system. I want you to figure out a system that works for you, okay? But I just made a commitment that I was going to read through the Bible. And every year I do that. And with the exception of one year, when I get to Leviticus, it's just tough, it's, it, I don't, I mean, I don't understand. I mean, I do understand, but it's still, it's, it's so far removed from the way that, that I was brought up practicing my faith. And so it's, it's, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense on one hand. And it's repetitive on the other. I mean, you got this guy with a plate and there'll be 12 guys just like him with a plate. And they've all got the same turban on and and, and the writer, the Holy Spirit wanted us to know that, okay? And it's important. I'm not making light of that because there was one year that when I was reading through, Leviticus just spoke to me. I mean, every verse I read just declared how holy God was, and I got it. 
But that had happened every year. So I understand when people say, man, I got to Leviticus. I was doing well in my one-year Bible till I got to Leviticus and, and Numbers and Deuteronomy. And I just kind of... Okay. I like the prophets. This year, I'm, I'm dying in, in Ezekiel right now, okay? But I, I, typically, I love it. And so it's just God speaks in different ways. But what, what I've learned is, is, is that most of us are just not, we're not familiar. We've heard it preached. We've heard it taught. We've sat in Sunday school and read lessons. But we're just not, it's not familiar. It's just not territory that we're used to. And so what happens is we don't really understand when we talk about a high priest. We don't, we just, I mean, it's, it's words in essence. We don't understand a system where, you know, there, were, there was just one family that produced the priest. That was Aaron's family from the tribe of Levi. We don't understand that, that there, was, there were different sets of priests and there was one group that were, they were, the, they were the, the, the high priestly family and they were the only ones and only one of them could actually go into the presence of God once a year. And in fact... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this Friday is Yom Kippur. It's the Day of Atonement. It was the day when the high priest would, would offer the sacrifice for the sins of the night. He would offer one for him, and I will talk about this a little bit more. But then he would offer one for, for the nation, and then he would, he would go in. He would tie a rope to his leg, and he would go into the, he would go into the Holy of Holies. He would go into the, the place where the Ark of the Covenant sat, where, where God's presence literally rested above the mercy seat. And, and he had his incense burner, and, and, and he, was, he was doing this left and right, and, and just praying there wasn't any sin in his life, and he'd sprinkle that blood. And, 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 the, and as long as the people outside could hear the bells that were on his, the hem of his robe, they knew he was still alive. See, it was, it, was an, it, only, it was an awesome thing to go into the presence of God. And yet, folks, we live in a day when Jesus has fulfilled all of that and He's paid the price so that we could go into the presence of God. So that as, as, as one of the scriptures I, I think we'll read later, we can go in boldly. We can go in confidence. Well, we're, just, we're not familiar with that. We're not familiar with the house of Aaron. And, and, and we know Moses. But do you know Moses, although he's the lawgiver, he, he gave the law, and, but he's also the deliverer of each. He was also a part of that priestly family. He was, a, he was the brother to Aaron. He was born in the family of Levi. And Aaron was the first high priest. And then after him, a son of Aaron had to follow and so we, we have a bit of understanding. We, we understand some of the practices and some of the, the sacrificial system. But for the most part, it's just foreign to us. I mean, for me, and I, I'm just, I, I, I was raised on a farm. It's like going to the slaughterhouse. That, when, I, when, I, when my Old Testament professor in seminary described it, I mean, he described it with sounds and with smell. And for the first time, I realized that, you know what, a trip to the temple, it wasn't like a trip to church. Okay, it, it, was, a, it was a horrible thing that they had to do. And there were thousands and thousands of animals sacrificed. And so we're just, we're, that's not something we think about. It's, it's, it's just different. But the priest, the priest was a, was a mediator. He was the one who stood between God and man. 
In essence, he was the middleman. Now, that's foreign to us for the most part. When I want to pray, I don't have to go get anybody. I just start talking to God. When you pray, you don't have to go get anybody. But, but in the Old Testament, there was a, there was a mediator. And he was the priest. And, and the fact is, the priest is literally, the mediator is the one who goes between two parties. Two different groups who are at odds with each other. And how many of you understand that until Jesus died on that cross, man was, and, and woman, humanity, we were at enmity with God. We were at war with God. You say, but what about so? We were at war with God. And there was a priest who stood between God and he stood between, he mediated. He, he, he tried to bring peace and he, he tried to bring reconciliation and, and in some instances compromise. That, that would be what a mediator does. In a, uh, even today we have, uh, we have different attorneys that specialize in, in mediation. When, when, when family members can't, agree on something, or when businesses can't agree, they bring in a mediator, somebody who, who helps them work it out so that they can move on, so that they can do what needs to be done. As I mentioned, we were at odds with God. Literally, that means we were at war with God. And we were at war with Him because we were rebellious and we had a sin nature. We needed a mediator, a go-between, somebody to bear the sins our sins up before God, and also somebody to discern what the will of God was for the people. And that's what, that's what the priest did. The high priest would, uh, as I'm Jesus, that's what he was. Every time he, he, he took that blood and he, he went through those, those curtains, he was a picture of Jesus. And so he, he would go in and he would, he, would, he would confess the sins and he would sprinkle that blood on that mercy seat as an atonement for the sins of the people. And, and not only would he do that, but he also discerned, it was his responsibility to discern what the will of God was for the nation. You know how he would do that? He would roll the Urim and the Thummim. Now, I don't know if they look like dice. I don't know what they look like, okay? Some of y'all are grinning at me. I, that's what I think about when every time I see, see they cast lots. You know, and they threw them. The Urim and the Thummim, he wore over his heart. And whenever there was a, a question that, that had to be answered by God, he would cast the lots and he would discern what the will of God was for the nation. The only problem with this system is is that that high priest had to offer a sacrifice for his own sins every time. He was a real person, just like we are. He made mistakes. Even though he wore the robes and, 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 the, and the, that, that breastplate that had all those stones on it and that turban and, and all those things, he still sinned. And every time, every year, every time he sinned, he, 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 had to, he had to offer a sacrifice just like the people had to do that he represented. He was imperfect. Okay? He was flawed. And because of that, he had to continue to offer sacrifices for his own sins before he could offer the sacrifice for the atonement each year. 
and, and my point is, it was over and over and over and over and over. Every year, same sacrifice, same sins. Because he had a sin problem that the issue of total forgiveness could never be fully resolved. In other words, in reality, the priesthood lacked the ability to be a true mediator. They could not affect a compromise. They could not affect a peace or reconciliation. I mentioned, I don't know if it was last week, but, but the sacrificial system that we read about in the Old Testament is somewhat like a credit card that we use today. It gave them credit until Jesus came. But when Jesus came, the penalty for sin had to be paid. And he paid it. And so this priest would, 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 would offer up the, the sacrifices and he would seek God's will. But he lacked the ability because of sin in his own life. Seems like a problem, doesn't it? Seems like a, a circular solution that just keeps going in circles and never accomplishes what it was designed to do. Therefore, God had to send somebody who could totally fulfill the requirements and the functions that the law of God required. In other words, somebody had to come and be the high priest. And I used capital T, capital H, capital E. Okay, Not a high priest, but the high priest. No man with a sin nature could do that. And we talked a lot last week about the sin. every man that's ever been born of woman has a sin nature. That sin has been imputed to us since Adam. The only person who could hope to fulfill that function was someone who had no earthly father. And that falls on Jesus. Jesus was different. Jesus was born without a sin nature. Okay, he had no earthly father, so therefore the sins of the father were not passed to the son. He had no sin nature. He was fully obedient. He did everything God told him to. He fulfilled the will of God perfectly. He made the right choices, in other words, at every turn. He was fully man. Okay? We need to understand that. As much as he was fully God. Which enabled him, by being fully man, to understand what we go through. What we endure. What we uh, struggle with. And I know there there are folks here this morning that are struggling. You've got questions there are no answers for. You know what? Jesus understands what you're going through. He went through very similar things. And it's important that, that we, we have a high priest who understands. It's not enough for God to be our high priest, okay? There has to be someone who understands the way we're made, that understands our weaknesses, that understands our capabilities and our abilities or the lack thereof. That's why Jesus became a human being. He had to experience those things firsthand. So the scripture says he could be a high priest. Hebrews chapter 2. We're going we're to read several verses in, in Hebrews this morning. But in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 through 18, it says, Therefore he, and that he is Jesus, had to be made like his brethren in all things. In other words, he had to be human. 
that he might be a merciful high priest in things pertaining to God. In other words, he, he had to be like us so that he could be merciful to us. Okay, He had to feel what we feel, understand where we've been, to, to really have that sense of mercy that was needed. He, he did the things pertaining to make propitiation. And that's a big old biblical word which just means satisfaction. In other words, it was the removal of wrath by a gift or a sacrifice. It was satisfaction of a debt. And so when Jesus made propitiation, he paid our sin debt. It says that, that he might become a high, merciful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted, listen to this, okay? Listen to this. For he himself was tempted in that which he suffered. He is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. You know, when, when I've got a problem, I don't want to really sit down with somebody who has no clue about it, it's never experienced it. When, when, I, when I need some help, with, with certain things, I want to talk to somebody who's been there and who went through the valley and came out on the other side because I want to know there's help and there's hope, okay? Jesus has gone through the valley and come out on the other side, folks. He is, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted because he himself was tempted, Folks, Jesus had to be one of us to be a true mediator. And he had to, to become the sacrifice, not, not because he had to offer something, and he didn't. He, he didn't have to offer a sacrifice for himself, so therefore he could be the sacrifice. That's the difference in the Old Testament high priest. He, he, he couldn't be the sacrifice. He could just offer one, but first he had to offer one for himself. Jesus didn't have to offer one for himself. So the sacrifice that he offered, his own self, was credible. It was credible and it was acceptable. Hebrews 3.1 says this, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling. In other words, that is a beautiful description of the body of Christ. That's what he's saying, to the, to the body of Christ. Holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling. Consider Jesus. Consider him. Look at him. He's the apostle. He's the one sent by God. And he's the high priest of our confession. He's the one who stands between us and God. Who mediates. Who mediates for our sinfulness. And he mediates God's grace. He, he's, he's the conduit, folks. He's the mediator. The priesthood, it's pretty interesting. The priesthood was not a job that people chose. Okay? Little boys weren't born in Israel and, and dreamed of being high priests because you, you didn't get the job that way. God appointed priests. God appointed. It was an appointment. The first priest, Aaron and his sons, were chosen by God. Now, I've often wondered, why did you choose Aaron? I mean, he's the dude that made the golden calf. I, I, I read this verse every year. I chuckle, and then I think, God... Because Aaron, I'm going to paraphrase it. Says, Aaron, what would you do? He says, well, all the people came to me with their gold and their silver, and I threw it in the fire, and out jumped a calf. I mean, that's what he says. And I go, that, that won't get it here. You know, I, but God chose him. God chose him. You know what it also says to me? That the grace of God is sufficient 
for every sin I'm going to commit. He loved Aaron just like he loves me. He knew what Aaron was going to do, and he still chose him for the job. So he chose Aaron, and he, he chose his son. They were appointed. They didn't ask for the job. They didn't lobby for the job. God chose them. And God appointed Jesus to do this same job. You find that, and we're not going to look at this this morning, but you find that in, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 2. God chose him. And Jesus willingly accepts that task. And he completely fulfills the requirements. Maybe this morning, you're here. And you really wonder if Jesus really does love me. Does he really? Does, does he really? You, Nelson, you don't understand where I've been, what I've done. Could he really love me? I'm telling you, he does. He chose, folks, to become the high priest, which meant he knew he would die. He was not going to become just the high priest. He was going to become the, the high priest who offers himself as the sacrifice. Folks, he died for you. He didn't just die for me. He didn't just die for this group or that group. He died for all of us. That's how much He loves us. Jesus is the priest who understands our limitations. He understands our weaknesses. He understands what it means to be human. Folks, He experienced what we experienced. He was hungry. He was tired. He was thirsty. You know what? He, 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 he saw people who made promises and then didn't keep their promises. So he was discouraged from time to time. He knew what sadness was. He knew what death was. He knew what hunger and all those other things that we fear. What it means to be tired and worn out and weary and overstretched. I mean, the scripture says people just kept coming and kept coming. They didn't have a worship service for an hour or so. It went on all day and would have went on all night and all day and all night and all day and all night. But every so often he had to pull away to rest. He was real. Okay? God didn't force him to do this either. He chose to do it. And he didn't just simply, here's something I want you to understand. He didn't just simply suffer for us. Folks, he suffered with us. For 33 and a half years, he experienced the limitations that we all experience. He walked he didn't float above the ground. He walked wherever he went. He couldn't go without sleep. He had to rest. He couldn't go without food. He had to eat. We're having a dog fest out here. I'm going to do like Debbie did. In Jesus' name, we command those dogs to shut up. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Y'all may laugh. She did that in Mexico, and that dog went in its house, and he did not come out until after lunch, and he never barked again. Okay? That's, he's given us that authority. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize. He can't, he can't, he can't, that word sympathize means he has compassion. He comes alongside of us with passion, not pity. Jesus doesn't pity us, folks. He has compassion for us. A priest who cannot sympathize 
with our weaknesses. And that word weaknesses means trials and temptations and troubles, plus our physical and emotional and spiritual weaknesses. Okay, it covers all the weakness. He, he comes alongside of us. But we have one who's been tempted in all things. It doesn't say some sin. I love this part of the verse. It says, let us therefore, because of this, that's what therefore is there for. Because of this, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace in time of need. Every priest in the Levitical system was baptized or he was immersed in water at the age of 30 to signal his entrance into the priesthood. That's when he, uh, he uh, 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 effectively went on duty at the age of 30. And so every, every priest was baptized. Now I know if you're like me, most Christians wonder why Jesus was baptized. And there's lots of explanations and lots of, of illustrations. But I, I personally believe that Jesus was fulfilling the, the, the requirements of the priestly ministry. I believe, and, and I know this to be true, this is not something I believe, John the Baptist was a part of the priestly family. Okay, He wasn't necessarily the high priest, but he was a priest. He was a part of the old system. He was a prophet, but he was also a priest, although he was a little bit of a renegade. Okay, He, he wasn't up in Jerusalem. He was down on the Jordan, and he was preaching repentance, turn or burn. And he was baptizing men and women. And so Jesus comes to John. And it says, he, Jesus says, I, I basically come to fulfill all the requirements of righteousness. And I really believe that, that what was happening there is that the old priesthood was baptizing a new priesthood. And an old covenant was passing away. And a new covenant was beginning. That, that's what that I take away from that. And so Jesus comes and he's, he's baptized. And once he is baptized, he begins his ministry. Before that baptism, Jesus didn't do any miracles. Okay? I don't care what book you've read. I mean, it, he didn't do any miracles. But once he was baptized, God speaks. And God says, this is my son declaring who he is, in whom I am well pleased, declaring his pleasure. Okay? And the Scripture says that what happened is that the Holy Spirit descended as a dove and rested on Jesus. That's a picture of anointing. Whenever a priest was baptized, he would be anointed with oil. The only, the only people in that, that were anointed in Israel for, for service were kings and prophets and priests. And guess what? Jesus fulfilled all three functions. He's the only one who could be the prophet, the priest, and the king. Now, King Saul tried that, and he was removed. Jesus is the only one who's prophet, priest, and king. And so the Holy Spirit descends on him. He, 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 they don't dump oil on Jesus. Jesus gets the real deal. Okay? I mean, he, the, the oil was a symbol of the, the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit drops on Jesus. He ascends. He anoints him. And, and what happens is it, it inaugurates a new priestly line. The old covenant passes away. The new covenant begins Jesus was anointed with what the oil represented. He was baptized with the Holy Spirit. He was anointed for service 
with the very power of God. And he begins his ministry at the age of, of 30. Now, he's like the other Levitical priests, but he's different. He belongs to a, a different group of priests. And I, I'm not going to go very far with this because this opens up a whole lot of teaching that I don't have time to do this morning. But there's an older priesthood than the Levitical priesthood. It's the, it's the priesthood of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, we find him in the book of Genesis. He's, a, he's somewhat of a mysterious figure, okay? Abraham goes and recaptures what's been stolen, brings it back, and he authors, offers, not authors, he offers a tithe of 10% of everything he's brought back. And he gives it to Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was the priest, Scripture says... In Hebrews 7, 1, he is, he's known as the priest of the Most High. He is the priest of El Elyon. That's not, there's not any other places in Scripture that talk about that. And so he offers a tenth. He offers a tithe. And I'll just say this, okay? I hear people say this all the time. Well, tithing is not New Testament. Well, tithing predates Old and New Testament, okay? It predates the law. And it predates the new covenant. So you do whatever you want to do. I'm going to tithe. And I'm going to give gifts and offerings. Okay? That's another sermon for later on. Anyway, it, it just says of Jesus in Hebrews seven seventeen. God says, thou art a priest. You're a priest forever. According to the order of Melchizedek. A priest in the Levitical system, when he reached a certain age, he was removed from the priesthood. He couldn't be a priest any longer. It had age requirements because it had physical requirements that had to be carried out. But Jesus becomes a part of a priesthood that has existed forever. Now, I'll just share this with you and you may disagree. I think Melchizedek was a, was a picture of Jesus in, in, in Genesis, okay? He's the prince or the king of Salem, the king of peace. Jesus is known as the prince of peace, the king of peace. So then that original priesthood is reestablished. And because it's reestablished, there's no other priesthood needed. Scripture says in, in Hebrews 7.25, it says, that, But He, Jesus, on the other hand, because He abides forever, holds His priesthood permanently. Hence also He is able, listen to me, please listen, hear this. He is able to save forever. How long does God save? Forever. Listen, if you need a verse to show people who say, you know what, you can lose your salvation, right here's one. When Jesus saves you, you are saved. Okay? You're saved. It's settled. It says because He is able to save forever completely those who draw near to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. I, there are some of you in this room right now that are, you're scared to death that you're going to mess up and you're going to somehow lose your salvation. Now, you won't say that, okay? If, if I ask you, I sit down with you one-on-one -on -one and ask you that, you go, oh, no, 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 no. But deep down inside, that fear is there. You say, how do you know that? Because I understand what it's like. I walked through that place and came out on the other side and realized that Scripture says what Scripture says and it teaches what it teaches. And one of those things is that when you are truly saved, God saves you and God keeps you. 
And you didn't gain it. You didn't deserve it. You can't lose it. Okay? Jesus didn't save us partially, folks. He saves forever. That's what this passage says. And completely those who draw near to God. He he not only saves us completely, folks, He keeps us completely. Because He lives always to make intercession for us. You know what the high priest is doing right now? He is sitting on the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. That's a nice, fancy way of saying He's praying for you. Which prayers get answered? Think about this for a minute. Don't answer. The ones that are the will of God. Amen? You reckon Jesus can pray the will of God? I think He can. He is God. So His prayers get answered. I could go way into some stuff. I'm just going to stay right here, okay? I'm I'm trying to give you some confidence here. He 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 is praying for you right now. He he will he will not let you go. You can't undo what Jesus did on the cross. You're not that strong. Okay? No one can undo what he did on the cross. If they could, he would not be our high priest because his work would not be finished. So Nelson, that kind of makes sense. I'm telling you this book Makes sense. Okay? It's logical. Even where it's not logical, it's logical. Okay? It makes sense. If we just put all of it together and stop pulling a verse here or a sentence there or a word out of context over there. If we just read it together, it makes sense. Folks, His work is complete. And when a work is complete... What do you do when you finish something? In Scripture, you know what happens when something is completed? They sit down. When God completed creation, what did He do? He rested. Okay? When Jesus completed the work that He had been sent to do as the high priest, He ascended into heaven, and He sat down where? At the right hand of God. Sitting means that's symbolic for the work is complete. That's what Jesus meant when He said, It is finished. Complete. Debt paid in full. I'm done. The work's done. Hebrews 8.1 tells us, that Jesus sat down. He said, it says, We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens, a ministry in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched, not man. You see, the priest of Aaron, they could never sit down every day. They slaughtered animals. They sprinkled blood here. They waved this. They dumped that. It was a continual job every day for hundreds and hundreds of years. Why? Because their work was incomplete. They could not finish the work. They could not do what really needed to be done. Jesus did it. And Jesus sat down. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 
11 and 15, through 15 says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, He entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation. Well, what does that say? He entered into the temple that is in heaven. You remember in the Old Testament, in, in the book of Exodus, God gave Moses a pattern to build the tabernacle from? You know where he got the plans? From the real thing, which is where God is. And that's what, that, that's what this verse is saying. Jesus enters into the real place, the real temple. The temple where the very presence of God is in heaven. And he goes into that more perfect tabernacle that's not made with hands. That is to say of this creation. And he doesn't go through it. Listen to what it says. Not through the blood of goats and calves, but he goes through his own blood. And he enters the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Jesus does what the holy, I mean, does what the high priest would do every year on Yom Kippur. He goes through the curtain. He sprinkles the blood. And atonement, folks, for the first time is made. He sprinkles it on the mercy seat. And sin's paid for. And he never goes back to do it again. He doesn't have to do it when you or I sin. He's already done it. The forgiveness is already there. It says this, for if, the, listen to me, if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifers sprinkling those who've been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh. In other words, if it cleans the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, verse 15 says, He, Jesus, is our mediator. He's the one who goes between us. God's will that was, was, was that Jesus not be just the high priest, but also the sacrifice. In other words, He's not carrying something foreign, He's carrying Himself. Hebrews 10, verse 8 through 10 says this, tells us that Jesus fulfilled God's will. It says, Sacrifices and offerings, and whole burnt offerings, and sacrifices for sin, you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. In other words, God was never, you know, God never got excited about their sacrifices. They, they, they weren't what made Him happy and joyous. I think about this. I love animals. You know what? God created the animals. It must have broken his heart every time he saw an animal have to die for another of his creations. And so this passage in Hebrews tells us that, that, that it wasn't the sacrifice. It wasn't the offerings. It wasn't the, all that stuff that, 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 that God took pleasure in. Listen to what he says. Then he said, who said? Jesus, behold, I've come to do your will. That's all God ever, want, ever wanted. Over and over and over in the Old Testament, you read a verse that, that goes somewhat like this. I, I didn't want your sacrifices and, and, and your offerings. I wanted your obedience. Remember that one? For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. God didn't, God didn't want our sacrifices. He wanted our obedience. He wanted us to love Him. Jesus said, if you love me, You'll do what I say. You'll obey me. That's all God ever wanted was our obedience. He wanted our love. 
And he says this, Behold, I've come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will we have been sanctified. We've been made holy through the blood of Jesus Christ once and for all. How many times? Once for all. Once for all. Once for all. Okay? He doesn't have to offer a sacrifice because you think you've committed some unforgivable sin. Once for all. Folks, Jesus is our high priest. He's the only mediator we need. We don't need a human being. I've heard people say, well, I've come to you, pastor. I want you to pray for you. You don't really need me to pray for you. Because I pray at the same place you do. All right? The ground's level at the cross. I pray right there just like you do. You don't really need me to pray for you, although I'll be happy to. It gains no merit. Okay, it gains you no more favor or merit with God. You say, yeah, but, but certain people have direct lines. I know we say that. But listen, when, a, when somebody cries out, and they are brokenhearted, and they are, they are uh, uh, I'm looking for a word here, but it's not going to come. It goes with brokenhearted. Anyway, God's drawn to it. So we don't have to have a preacher pray for us. We don't have to have a pre we don't have to go and sit in a box and confess our sins to somebody else and that person pronounce our sins forgiven. Okay? I'm not I'm not making light of that. I'm just saying we don't have to do that. Alright? We don't have to have a friend lift us up in prayer because because somehow we can't pray to God because we're unworthy. We just go to God in the condition we're in because we have a high priest who intercedes for us. He takes our, 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 our filthy, stinking offerings, the best we can offer, our cries. He takes those and He hands them to God. He intercedes for us. He prays. Our prayers go... That passage in Scripture that talks about the Holy Spirit interceding for us with groans that, that, are, are, that you can't make sense out of. When you add that, and you add Jesus to it, you've got two people praying for you. Do you reckon God hears that? I'm telling you, He does. He does. Our high priest is doing that for you. And He's doing that for me right now. His blood has guaranteed that God will hear Him. And when God hears Him, every prayer Jesus prays is answered. Okay? Every prayer. Because he prays, as I said earlier, the perfect will of God. So let me just ask you a question. Okay? Why are you running as hard as you can in the other direction? Why are you hiding? Because you're afraid God's going to zap you with a, with a lightning bolt or, or mess your life up. Why are you trying to find out some way what you think will please him if you just do this. Why? Why don't you just stop right where you're at in whatever situation you're in, whatever the issue is, and just throw your hands up. And just say, Jesus. That's all we have to say. Jesus. He knows what's wrong. He knows what the issue is. He knows, what's, he knows the storm that's swirling in your life. He knows all that. Folks, our high priest has done everything that's required 
to give us a genuine relationship with God. All we have to do is, is just receive it. Open ourselves up to it. And I almost feel bad about saying this, but this is what God wants. And enjoy it. Enjoy it. It's like God's given us a gift. And He wants us to open it. And He doesn't want us just to go, my, that's fine, that, that is really nice. I'm going to put it up here on the shelf and we'll look at this every once in a while when friends are over. Have you ever seen a little kid open a box and just dive in the box and just he's just rubbing all over the box, ripping and snorting and tearing? Play? That's what God wants us to do. We're kids, okay? But most of us, you know, we've got the box and we walk around in it and look at it like it's behind glass in a museum. A few weeks ago, I, I went, we, Kathy and I went down to the, to the art museum and we saw the, I don't know what it's called, but the, it was basically the samurai swords and the armor. Well, I mean, you can't reach up there and touch those things. If you do, something goes off and big people come, okay? <laughs> and they escort you out. I saw them do it. But folks, God gave us a gift. It's called Jesus. And He's not something we set on a pedestal and we just, we walk in and we look at and, and we wish we could somehow just play with this gift or, or, or just immerse ourselves in this gift. He, he's not that gift that, that when we're in trouble we get and we rub real hard and hope the genie pops out of it. That's not Jesus. He, he's a gift who wants to be enjoyed. And God has paid for our sins so that we could enjoy He's our high priest, folks. He's our high priest. Some of you need to loosen up. You say, well, Nelson, I don't get as loose as you are. That's okay. You just need to loosen up and enjoy Jesus a little bit. He's not walking around with, with six, I mean, six guns up here waiting for you to blow it so he can toast you. That's not the picture. See, Jesus took our toasting. He took the, the, the wrath from God when He died on the cross and He offered His sacrifice. God, there's no... As, 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 I got a blank spot here. Y'all just have to give me a second. It's probably going to stay blank too. But last week, Donna said, she read out of Romans, there is therefore no condemnation. No condemnation. None. No means None. There's no condemnation. Paul says, who condemns us? If God is for us, who can be against us? That question has no answer. Nobody. That's what God's... I mean, it's not one of those questions... I mean, you've asked your kids questions that you weren't expecting an answer. God didn't expect an answer because the answer is nobody. Folks, our high priest has done everything that needs to be done. And he sat down. His arms are outstretched. He loves us. And he wants us to enjoy him. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.